Merry Christmas, everyone. Welcome here. It's good to see you. My name is Eldon, and I'm the pastor here uh, for Central Community Church at our Agassiz campus. Really good that you braved some of the incoming weather to be with us tonight. So I want to take us back uh, a couple of months to Wednesday, September 22, at precisely 12.20 p.m. It's the time when the sun crossed over the equator going south in an event known as the fall equinox. From that point, September 22, till this Monday, December 20th, our days got darker and darker, earlier and earlier. Monday was the day of the year when we experienced the least amount of sunlight in 2021. And when we looked outside in the late afternoon, we said, now that's as bad as it's gonna get. <laughs> From here on in, it can only get better. Sure enough, Tuesday, December 21, at precisely 7.58 a.m., it got brighter. And on the 22nd, it was brighter. The 23rd was brighter. Today was brighter. And on down through January, February, and the coming months, it will be brighter. Light has started to increase. Now, for thousands of years, people uh, in the world, most people in the world, regardless of their culture or even how bar barbarian they may have been, have always chosen sometime just after December 21 to have an enormous celebration. The darkness is over. Light has started to increase. If we've made it to this point and managed to sort of get over this hump, there's a good chance that we're going to make it through to the spring. We'll make it through the summer and into next fall. The world has celebrated that time of the year, which we call solstice, the time when to the human eye, the sun appears to be standing still. Now, in the, Roman Emperor, they in the Roman Empire, they celebrated it. In fact, Emperor Aurelian declared in the year 274 that December 25 was going to be a special vacation or holiday to commemorate the birthday of the unconquered sun, Sol Invictus. They decorate, listen to how they celebrated. They decorated evergreen trees. They exchanged gifts. They did a lot of feasting. They sang songs. They decorated their houses with greenery, with lights. They were particularly kind to poor people. In fact, if someone from the Roman Empire were to show up in Agassiz tonight, he or she would feel almost completely at home. The same man who had put Christians in an amphitheater to be torn apart by lions, celebrated this time of the year almost exactly as people celebrate it today. Then the Germans, whom even the Romans looked upon as barbarians, kept, as they kept coming further and further south and eventually sacked Rome, the barbarians, including the Norsemen and the Scandinavians also appreciated that December 21 was a turning point. In fact, a few days after December 21, they had a great big celebration. You know what they called it? Yuletide. And they burned Yule logs as an offering to Thor, their god of thunder and lightning. Practically every nation in the world for thousands of years couched in mythology and folklore, has celebrated at this time of the year something that they didn't entirely know or that they don't entirely know. Something that was 
very intentionally planned and designed by the all-knowing God of the universe to be just so. In an article written by Kevin DeYoung last year, last December, entitled, Is Christmas a Pagan Ripoff? DeYoung notes that around AD 200, that is before the pagan celebrations of Saturnalia and Sol Invictus, Tertullian of Carthage noted that Jesus died on the 14th day of Nisan, which is equivalent to March 25 in the Roman solar calendar. In the East, they made their calculation using the 14th day of the first spring month in their local Greek calendar. And then in the Roman calendar, this was April 6th. So, depending on who you asked, whether you were to ask a Western Christian or an Eastern one, Jesus died on either March 25 or April the 6th. Now, in both the West and the East, unbeknownst to each other, there developed the same tradition that Jesus died on the same date that he was conceived. An anonymous Christian treaty from the fourth century North Africa stated that March 25th was the day of the passion of our Lord and of his conception. For on that day he was conceived and on the same he suffered. In fact, Augustine in On the Trinity, his writing mentioned that same calculation. Similarly, in the East, the fourth century bishop Epi, uh, this is where we get Epiphany from, Epiphanius of Salmis maintained that on April 6th, Christ took away the sins of the world and on the same date was shut up in the spotless womb of the Holy Virgin. Jesus' conception and his crucifixion happened on the same day as confirmed by many early New Testament scholars. The fact that this curious tradition existed in two different parts of the world suggests that it may have been rooted in more than mere speculation. If nothing else, these early Christians were borrowing from an ancient Jewish tradition that said that the most important events of creation and redemption occurred at the same time of the year. Now, from the date of Christ's death to the same date of his conception, we can easily see where the date of Christmas could have come from. If Jesus were conceived on March 25 or April 6, the same date that he died, then the best date to celebrate his birth must be nine months later, which is December 25, or in the East, January 6, which is Epiphany. So what the pagans celebrate as the increase of light is exactly right all planned out by a gracious, loving, and holy God since before the creation of the world when he determined to come in human form to this dark place we call earth to save us and to give us life. You see, the conception, the crucifixion, and the coming of Jesus all point to one thing and one thing only, life. The reason for celebration, which many people don't understand, the prophet Isaiah wrote about centuries before it happened, to which the apostle John testified upon its inauguration. Listen to Isaiah 9. Some of it was read for us already by the kids. But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. 
In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious by the, the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. The Apostle John picks up in this on, in the very first chapter of his letter when he wrote, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Here's what I want us to hear tonight. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In him was life, and the light was the and the life was the light of men. And I want to talk to you three ways tonight about how light brings life. How light brings life. You can substitute light for the word Jesus because Jesus is, as we've already seen, the light of the world. That's who he declared himself to be. So we can say that Jesus brings life. First of all, light or Jesus brings physical life. I want you to see the parallel in the passage that I just read from, first, from the Gospel of John, John 1, 1 through 5, and then I'm going to read Genesis 1, 1 through 5. So John 1, 1 through 5, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Genesis 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Listen, God's creation, literally, physically, cannot survive, cannot exist without light. Ask any plant scientist, and I think there's probably a few in the room, about photosynthesis. Maybe you studied it in high school or in elementary school, kids. Light 
causes growth. The warmth of light is essential to sustained life on earth. The order of creation is so significant. The very first thing that was created was light because from light, all life comes. Then was water. You can't have any life without light and without water. Then vegetation, then fish and birds, then the beasts of the earth, and then man made in the image of God. Physical light promotes healing. Have you, any of you ever heard of light therapy? It's used for all manner of skin conditions. In fact, right now, Marcy's dad, he's got a quite a serious condition amongst other things in his legs. He's got neuropathy and he's got a lot of nerve damage and they're doing light therapy on him to stimulate circulation so that he can experience healing. In light is life, is healing. In life is cleansing. Put something out in the sun and what happens? It gets bleached. It kills bacteria. Drinking water must pass through UV filtered it must be filtered through light in order to kill any bacteria that's in drinking water. Light brings physical life. Second, light brings spiritual life. In the same way that it brings physical life to us, apart from Jesus, apart from the light of the world, we cannot live spiritually. John 1.4 says again, in him was life and the life was the light of men. John 8, 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Do you have tonight the assurance of abundant life in Jesus? This is what Christmas is all about. We cannot live spiritually without Jesus. It is he who heals us and cleanses us. John said that whoever receives him is born of God. And later on, two chapters later, Jesus said that a person must be born again, not naturally, but spiritually in order to enter the kingdom of God. New life, born again, born of God. The Bible tells us that when we follow Jesus, we will not walk in darkness. In fact, in Psalm 139, centuries before Jesus was born, the psalmist said that with, when God's spirit is present and when we invite Jesus into our lives, God's spirit takes up residence in us, his temple. The psalmist says, when that happens, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as day for darkness is as light to you. And as that Isaiah prophesied, this brings hope and it brings joy. <laughs> I love a quote by E. Stanley Jones that'll be on the screen. He said, the early Christians did not say in dismay, look what the world has come to, but rather look what has come to the world. <laughs> look what the world, they didn't say look what the world has come to, but look at what has come to the world. Light, hope joy. Christmas is a reminder that in the midst of the worst, there is hope. I love the testimony from Jorge tonight. What a hopeless situation. My wife and I have been in the same situation. We remember one day early in our marriage, I could, I could share the same story. We sat and we had not a thing in the house. The cupboards literally were bare. There was nothing in the fridge. We had zero food. None. 
And we sat at our little kitchen in our rented house in Saskatoon. And we held hands, I remember that, and we prayed. We said, God, please meet our needs because I've never been to the food bank. I don't even know how that works. Like I, that's literally what we said. That afternoon, or towards the end of the day, a check came in the mail. <laughs> and it was a check, it was a refund from a utility bill that we had canceled months, months before when we lived at, uh, on Karenport, went to college, and now we're done and we're living in Saskatoon. We had canceled the utility and we had paid too much. And they had sent some money back. And we had just enough money to put food on the table for that day. I don't, I don't know what kind of darkness you're living in tonight. Are you have a hard time seeing your way forward? When you're born again and your eyes are open to see the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus, you will experience, as Isaiah 9, that I quoted earlier, goes on to say, there's two things as a result of the darkness being lifted by the light of Jesus. Number one is laughter. <laughs> there's rejoicing and joy. You can have joy in the midst of dark days. And the next thing is liberty. Laughter and liberty Isaiah said, the yoke of burden is removed, the rod of oppression is broken, and the garments of war are burned. The garments stained in blood are burned. Sin and the shameful deeds done in darkness are exposed, and when they're renounced and confessed, they are forgiven, and they are removed as far as the east is from the west. That is the story of Christmas. That's the light that Jesus came to shine on us. Light brings cleansing from sin. It brings direction as his word sheds light on our path and it removes all darkness. Light brings life and hope. There's a quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I like it, it'll be on the screen. It says, the celebration of Advent is, only, is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect and who look forward to something greater to come. Last, light brings eternal life. So the prophecy in Isaiah ends this way. In chapter nine, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, on his shoulder, and, he, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Listen, friends, listen tonight closely. Those are not just words. Those are not just words. This is real. This is real prophecy. Jesus will literally rule as king. We heard about him in the story as king. He will literally rule as king over this earth when he comes a second time, bringing the new Jerusalem down from heaven to earth and all things will be made new. And, and of peace, there will be no end. And Revelation tells us that there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. How many of you long for that? How many of you long for a new government? Jesus one day will rule as king on this earth in a new 
heaven and a new earth. All things will be made new and there won't be anything that we're experiencing tonight. That's why he came, that his light would shine in the darkness. You see, the Bible begins in light. That's what John said, that's what Genesis said, and the Bible ends in light. I wanna go to the very last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, the first five verses on the screen, it says this. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed. No longer will there be any viruses. They won't exist. But the throne of God and of the lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. As I wrap up, I just want to ask you one question. Do you have life? (laughs) Do you have the light of Jesus living in you, and do you have life spiritually and physically? That passage in the very last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22 goes on a few verses later to say this, the spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Paul, to the Corinthian church, wrote this. He said, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, King, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's a spiritual battle, right? As Pastor Ron said, if you were here on Sunday, Satan couldn't destroy the child when he was born, Jesus. But now he switches strategies and Satan's strategy is to keep us blinded so that we can't see the light, so that we cannot see Christ. Satan will use all kinds of things. He'll use evil things and he'll even use good things like trees and tinsel and yule logs and Santa Clauses, even giving to the poor to keep us from the light of Christ because our enemy knows that Jesus and only Jesus, the light of the world and the glory of God brings life. Do you have life? Does the light of the world, Jesus, live in you? Are you born of God? John ends his text by saying, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Will you receive Jesus tonight? Will you submit to him and bow to him, even as the wise men did, and say, Jesus, you're my ruler. You are my king. You who are present at creation are bringing a new creation, and I want to be there with you. Tonight, believe that he loves you, 
He was born to set you free. He died to redeem and forgive your sin. Receive him as your king tonight and be filled with life. Let's pray together and then we're gonna sing some final songs. Would you bow with me? Lord Jesus, we declare you, I declare you tonight as your word has already said, you are the light of the world and you bring life. Thank you that your conception, your crucifixion by where you died for the sin of the world and your coming, your birth, all point to the fact that we can have life in you. So God, help us tonight by your spirit to submit to you, to declare you as our king, our ruler, our master, because that's why you came, to rule. And we look forward to your return where you will come a second time to make all things new, to make them right, to hit that hard reset button that there would be never again any darkness to live in. God, for people here tonight who are living in some form of darkness, whether it be a physical thing or a spiritual thing, maybe having a hard time putting food on the table, living with depression, anxiety, fear, I pray that you would shine your light in their hearts, shine your light upon them, that they might know you and receive you and be filled with joy and with hope. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.